Welcome to the podcast Benzo Tired. I'm your host, Naftal Benesti, and I'm Dutch. Join me on my journey into the world of benzodiazepines, withdrawal, bind, and more. Disclaimer, always consult your physician for medical advice. This is episode 59, Thais Senev, and today it's November 22nd, 2023. In this episode, Thijs Sene from Belgium. After the sudden passing of his father in 2005, Thijs suffered from anxiety attacks. Thijs self-medicated with alcohol to try to cope. Upon seeing a psychiatrist, he was prescribed the benzodiazepine traxine, antidepressant, and eventually a staggering 8 milligrams of clonazepam. Through the years, he had visited America, and on his last visit, he stumbled upon the book Blood Orange Night, inspiring him to want to come off of benzos. He had tapered to 4.5 milligrams in a few years, but ended up in an inpatient treatment where he was tapered off benzodiazepines and all other prescription drugs in four days during a 10-week treatment. He survived, but one year later, he still has some symptoms. After coming off of clonazepam, he started to do some research on benzodiazepines. Realizing benzodiazepines aren't as safe as he was told, Thijs is spreading awareness in Belgium, and his story is featured on some reputable Belgium newspapers. Hi, Thijs. Welcome to Benzo Tired. Hi, Naftal. Nice to be in the, on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on. So could you share with the audience, first of all, where you're from? Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from Belgium. I live in, in the very nice, beautiful city of Bruges, um, which is famous from the movie. Uh, maybe you saw it. It's uh, called In Bruges with Colin Farrell. It's kind of a cult movie. So I live here and I'm glad to live here. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. And when did you first get prescribed a benzodiazepine? Um, well, I try, I, I try to go back. I made up a timeline um, and I thought, f- first I thought it was like in five years ago, but now um, yesterday I picked up my medical files uh, from my ex-psychiatrist and now I can say it's um, it started in 2007. Um, so I've been taking them or I have been prescribed them since 2007. And what I was the them... reason that you got uh, them? Yeah, the reason, okay. The reason was, um, I, I think I was always kind of uh, uh, scared or maybe anxious, uh, even as a child. I think it runs in the family a little bit from both sides as well. My mother was, was she she was kind of anxious. My father also. I knew he, he also was prescribed uh, Xanax, uh, also my grandmother. So it runs in the family. Um, but it to, for me, it, 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 um, it really started uh, after my dad um, suddenly died in 2005. Uh, I started having, he died of a, um, a heart attack. Um, after he died, we found lots of medication, uh, benzos in his uh, pocket. So I'm not sure what he died from, but the official reason is a, it's a heart attack. Um, his heart just stopped. Uh, so I started having, uh, a few months later, after he passed away in 2005, I started having uh, panic attacks. I was in the supermarket doing uh, shopping for groceries and all of a sudden I thought I had this heart beatings or palpitations and I thought I was going to die. Um, and I I remember running away from the supermarket and getting into my car and driving like crazy to a, to a pharmacist and, and he gave me yeah, some, some, something um, in Dutch it's called Valerian. Um, yeah. That's Valerian root. That's Valerian well, root. Yeah, well, that's yeah, and, and he gave the, a little bottle to me with the Valerian root, and I, I, I drank it entirely. He said, "Yeah, just use a, f- a few drops," and <laughs> I drank the whole <laughs> bottle. Yeah. Okay. And then I, I went the first time, um, I think 2006 or so. I went to um, no. First, I I started um, medicating myself with with alcohol. I always used to be kind of a good drinker, a social drinker. I, I was very known for being able to to drink well, uh, but I could stop. But after the panic attacks, I started medicating myself with, with alcohol and drinking more and more. And, and um, my 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 girlfriend then, who is now my wife, Betty, she said, maybe you should go and see a doctor. And I went to a psychiatrist and he prescribed me for the first time uh, a benzo. The, the 
Belgian in Belgium it's known as Trangsen. I don't know how what it is uh, internationally, but that was a really light dose, and for like one or two years I don't remember exactly I had this benzo. I kept it in, in, in my pocket and, and the, the doctor said, yeah, if you if you have an anxiety attack, you can you can take the pill and it will work in like 10 minutes. But I never did just having just having that feeling that I had a, a pill that could magically um, take away the anxiety um, was enough for me. So I, I yeah, I, I functioned quite well. I drank less, um, but then, yeah, in 2007, I started having them again, deep, deep, or more and more, and they really, uh, well, I, I couldn't function anymore. Uh, I, but I, were I you taking yeah. the benzo as needed? Did you ever take it? Or because you say, you know, I kept yeah. it in my pocket, but did you ever take it? Yeah, good question. Um, no, I, I I remember very clearly the, the first time when I, actually did so I, I had it maybe one year just in my pocket and then one morning i i went to to work i i had a quite i had a good work i was a press uh, press secretary and i had a there was a like a conference and i was so anxious i was so scared i thought i was gonna die and i of course i knew i had the pill um in my pocket and i took it for the first time and uh it was it was magic. It was magic. Um, I stopped sweating um, and I could function. And so I went okay. to the to the conference and I, I could could do it. And uh, from that moment on, I knew I I started something that at that moment really helped me. Mm -hmm. I thought I thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was the first time, yeah. Yeah, and the second time because you say the anxiety came back and the panic attacks. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. went back to your psychiatrist. Yeah, sure. Well, then, then I, I, um, I was kind of, um, how would I say? I was relieved. I was because, like I said, I, I had always been kind of anxious, and it was the first time in my life that I really didn't uh, have any fear anymore. Well, maybe that came a little bit later, but um, the fear was taken away by the pill so I, I i went to the doctor and i told him and he said okay maybe you can take one uh every every day now it will help you um so i did and gradually i started well he prescribed more until i think it was al always um kind of um a minimal dose I, I i don't remember i don't have any records on that until like 2014, I guess, um, that there I have records of that. In 2014, he really started prescribing me uh, on a structural basis, um, clonopin, so, so uh, clonazepam here in, in Belgium. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, I have those records with me. Uh, he started prescribing me um, three, three pills a day of um, two milligrams. Three pills a day? Yeah, yeah. Three, three times two milligram uh, and I took the pills and yeah my life at that moment was 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 good I thought I thought but hold on one second so you're yeah, kind sure, of on a sure. less you're kind of on a less potent benzo first you get yeah, switched sure. to clonazepam yes how was that experience yeah well I, I should I should say so I, I experienced um, in 2014 I, I had a I had a depression I had a depression I I at work, I couldn't function anymore, um, and all the lights went out in in in, in my head. Um, to this day, or let's say to one year ago, I didn't know where that depression came from. I thought it was also something biological or whatever. But now I'm more and more convinced that it was because of the earlier prescription of benzos. Mm -hmm. Well. Um, so I, I stopped working then, and then I my psychiatrist he started giving me even more benzos, and he switched at that moment. He switched to uh, clonazepam, and then he gave, also gave me um, antidepressants and and other medication. Um, so okay, that was the he moment. Starts you yeah. off with three times two yes, milligrams yeah. of clonazepam. Yeah. That is a massive dose. Did you not feel like drugged up or anything? 
No, no, um, no. It's 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 weird, and it's it's now that I come to think of it, um, it's 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 amazing that I didn't didn't really pass out or or sleep all day. No, I was I was. I must have been so anxious that it, it, it that it worked quite well with me. Um, even I remember being really a um, little bit um, euphoric. Is that is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the right word. But you also yeah. give you antidepressants, so you get yes. three times two milligrams of clonazepam. So that's a total of um, six. Yes. Um, do you remember which antidepressant and other drugs he gave you? Sure, sure. Uh, well, he gave me um, in Belgium. The name is Welbutrin. Um, it's um, that's an antidepressant that was 300 milligram, and then he also gave me something that was also for my anxiety, and it was something um, in Belgium. It's called Orap, and Orap is uh, not to be psychotic. So, not that I don't, I was not psychotic, but he gave me an antipsychotic also for the for the anxiety. So that cocktail. Oh, and he uh, also for the. Um, for the craving for alcohol, um, he gave me um, baclofen, which is... Uh, it's a muscle relaxer. A muscle relaxer. So the whole cocktail made me, I made me, um, yeah, euphoric or made me just high. I had absolutely no fear anymore of nothing. So what, what I did, what I did, I, I inherited a little bit, no, some money from my dad who died in 2005. I quit my job. I was, I was, yeah, I quit my job. I said, now I'm going to live the, the dream um, that I always had. I, when I was a child, I wanted to be a journalist, a reporter. And I said, okay, I'm going to give up my job. At that time, I, I was married. I had a daughter of five years old at that time. Um, and I gave up my job. I said, I'm going to quit. Now I'm going to do it my way. Um, I, I had read an article about a... A Belgian, a lady of Belgian descent who was living in South Dakota um, on an Indian reservation. Um, and she had a, an incredible life story reading from the article. And I said, okay, I have to go and find her. I'm still proud of the, of the idea. It was, a, it was an original idea, but I wasn't, I was too, too drugged up, I think, to, to do it. But okay, anyway, I, I, I did it. And I told my psychiatrist, psychiatrist here in, in Bruges, I told him about my plans. And he said, okay, I'll support you. Uh, that, that's a good idea. Uh, he also said, for, oh, okay, um, you, you're kind of taking a lot of medication. They won't let you through uh, the airport if you're carrying all those benzos and all the medication just like that. I'll write you a letter uh, in English. Um, Signed by me, he said, and 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 you'll be okay. So yeah, I I, I left for the states, uh, for South Dakota, with my backpack full of benzos. And we are uh, still on six milligrams of clonazepam because I know it escalates to eight at some point. Yes, well, that was the moment that I took eight. That's right. Um, wow. So yeah, I started with two in the morning, then two by midday, then two again at. Six o'clock in the evening when my anxiety used to peak and then one more to sleep. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. At that time, yeah. So, with a suitcase full of, like, a lot of drugs and a lot yes. of clonopin, clonazepam, yeah. you go yeah. to the States. Did you have any trouble going through customs? Well, no, not really. I had to show at one, I think it was in, uh, no, I'm, I don't think, I'm sure it was in Newark. Uh, I just had to show the letter, and and because they 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 found my my uh, they were searching my my uh, hand luggage, and yeah, they 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 found the pills, and but that was okay. So uh, because there was a letter uh, from my psychiatrist, uh, and they okay. didn't they didn't even no they they didn't bother. So no. okay, so tell us about your American experience. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I try to relive it now because it it it's. Um, it's been one year since I haven't been taking benzos anymore, so memories start start coming back. But um, to be honest, it was it was a, it was a magnificent uh, experience because I had no worries about money. I had money enough at that time. I was I was I don't consider myself anymore as an addict because um, it was prescribed to me. But 
I, I was drugged up. So I was driving to the prairie in, in South Dakota through Wyoming, uh, listening to Bruce Springsteen, watching watching the, the scenery go by. I was, ooh, I, yeah, it, it, it was a great time. Um, and I was in actual good physical condition because at that time I was running a lot and I don't even know how I did it, but I was like running 90 kilometers a week, um, even with the benzo. So I was in good condition. I could I could climb the, the Black Mountains um, in South Dakota and, and watching the, the scenery, watching the view. So I, I was I was so ecstatic. Then I came at the reservation to the reservation. And having no no inhibitions anymore, or or almost no inhibitions, I was really good at at making contact with people. I I I was I was um, I was um, how do you, there there were powwows like those native dances, and I was participating in them. That was... So what happens after the your visit at, at the reservation? Yeah. So, so what what happened? I I, I came back to 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 Belgium, uh, and I, I um, my my goal was to write a book about everything I experienced. I did find the lady. Josie is her name. Uh, she has a great life story. So I said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book about about her. But I and I I think writing is a little bit my my talent my talent. So I thought, okay, I, I can do this. But of course, I I was so drugged up. I was so cloudy in my head that I, I when I came back I couldn't write one sentence even uh, so I, I got frustrated I got frustrated the next year 2018 I went back to uh, to South Dakota and this even costing more money uh, I tried to make a, a small um, reportage or, or uh, about her life which I I could do because I had a cameraman with me but it kept frustrating me that I couldn't write about it. Um, then, uh, to make a long story short, I went back last summer in 2000, uh, no, two summers ago, 2022. Um, in a last, uh, how would I say, uh, trying to, to finish the story. And, and I said, I'm going to go back one more time. At that time, I was still taking um, six milligrams of, of uh, clonazepam. Um, and I said, okay, I'm I'm gonna go back at uh, one year and a half ago, and then um, hold on then one second it, because yeah. you were on eight. You were on eight. So yes, what happens? Yes, yeah. What what yeah. made you go from eight to six? Well, at that time, maybe a few months before that, I I realized something was was off. That 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 I thought maybe, and also my general practitioner, so so not my psychiatrist, he said, maybe you're taking a little bit too much. Uh, I was also, I started having uh, like the stomach issues and he said, hmm, maybe it's because of the Honopin. Uh, maybe you should start about, start uh, taking, take, taking less. Um, okay, so Thais, we just discussed that you, um came back from the US and you wanted to write a book and you were cognitively declined. It wasn't working. Um, and then you go back to the US and in this time you've tapered from eight to six. So can you t uh, share with the audience your next journey to the US? How that sure. went? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, after losing my fourth job in uh, as many years, as in, in four years, um, I decided to go back to the United States, States to South Dakota, and trying to relive my my um, original dream uh, to to go back to Josie and on on the reservation, and to finally uh, write down her life story. Um, so, as you say correctly, I I was able how I don't know, but I was able to to uh, for, to come from eight milligrams to six milligrams, um, and so yeah, I I went back. I was I was feeling lost because um, I lost my job. Um, Family-wise, it wasn't going well. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't feel well. But I thought, okay, if I do this, everything will be will will be fine again, and I will write my book. So I I, I went back to the to the United States, but um i felt something something was really really wrong i came at the airport denver airport uh, i was even taking so many 
so many clonazepam or, or clonopin. Um, I was I was so anxious, so anxious, and I started. I hadn't been drinking for like two years, I guess, and I I relapsed and I started um, drinking. I, I on on the plane even. Um, I remember I I. I I had some wine. I, I bought some wine and uh, started drinking that. So I was on a, on a now I know lethal cocktail of alcohol and benzodiazepines, um, and I was lost. So I came on the airport. Uh, I rented. A, I had rented a car at um, at a really shitty company, uh, and I couldn't. My there was something wrong with my contract, and I, I my I couldn't review my contract. I was seeing everything uh, like three times or four times and i took that car and i i remember driving to the hotel uh, in denver and i there was like the cars were dancing on the road and i said oh my gosh what is happening to me and i was all by myself <laughs> so I, I i drove to wyoming uh, through wyoming and um, to the reservation in south dakota and yeah i Everything really went 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 wrong in the sense that um, that I was scared all the time. Even drinking, even taking the bio, the, the benzos, I was I was scared. I arrived at the, the reservation, and Josie she noticed something was not really really right with me, and it was not like the first or the second time. And she put me in a in in a in a caravan. Um, in an old trailer uh, outside the, the ranch where she she lived, and in the in that trailer I I, I have been I've been there for like 10, 10 days I think, and every night I bought like fifteen cans of Budweiser, drinking the Budweiser, taking my uh, benzos, never more than prescribed, but I I'm I'm glad I um I, I did survive, but I'm I could have had a cardiac arrest or or. I could have died in, in, in that place. Well, to make again a, a long story short or a little bit shorter, I said I have to get out of the reservation. I, my cousin um, Justin, who lives in um, Salt Lake City in in, in Utah, uh, he's a, a pilot for Delta, um, and so I, I knew I hadn't seen him like in five years or six years. I don't know. I called him. I said, Justin, I have to get out of the reservation. Something's off. Um, can you help me? He said, okay, yeah, come come to Salt Lake, uh, take your car. I was so scared of driving like, I don't know how many miles, but it's like driving maybe 10 hours to Salt Lake uh, from mm -hmm. the reservation. Um, and okay, I did, I did uh, take the car. I did drive, seeing the other cars dancing, uh, being scared all the time, sweating. And um, just before entering, um, Salt Lake City, I drove through Park City, uh, the ski resort <laughs> in, in Utah. And um, having always been interested in books, even under the influence of benzos and alcohol, I said, I have, I'm going to go into the bookshop. Maybe it will make me a little bit calmer, give me some rest. Uh, maybe I'll find a good book. And OK, I, I, I was just wandering around, sweating in the bookshop. I, I remember very clearly. And I saw a book. Um, she was praised as a lo local journalist and poet and author. And it was uh, Melissa, Melissa Bond. Um, and Yes, Blood Orange Night. It was a beautiful cover, also, which which I noticed, uh, and I saw. Yeah, I, I was reading um, the back of of the book. It was benz about benzodiazepines, which I didn't know much about. I was just I just knew I was taking them, um, and she was describing the hell she went through and what a difficult process it is. So I said, okay, I'm going to buy this book. I arrived at my uh cousin's place and everything just went on like i was doing it so taking the benzos and and drinking uh more but i also also was reading um i have to re um, read the book again because some things i i can't remember anymore but that was the moment reading her testimony reading how hard it was reading the hell she went through of getting off um, those benzos um, and even not getting off entirely, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, 
then I thought, okay, I have to do something. I also, she also gave a story of hope in the end that she, she survived. She was even able to write a book, which is my, I think, <laughs> ultimate goal in life. Um, but she, so she did that and coming off Benzo. So I thought I have to do something. I came back to Belgium. I went to my, to a psychologist, um, had a talk with the psychologist and she said, maybe you have to go to into rehab. Also, my wife, wife said, okay, you have to do something. When I came back on, on the airport in Belgium, uh, my wife picked me up. The first thing I did was pick, was buy a six pack of, 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 um, of beers because I, I knew I was drinking and taking the benzos and I couldn't get off them anymore. So I had to do something. Um, and then I had made an appointment with a, a Belgian rehab. Um, and I could one month later in September, end of September, I, uh, signed in at the rehab so yeah wait so so everyone was on board with this so you're like on six milligrams of, of clonazepam and mm -hmm. antidepressants mm -hmm. antipsychotic yes. um you're drinking alcohol and yeah. everyone's like sure we'll get you off within a certain amount of time yeah well i i managed to get off the alcohol like three days after i came back from the u.s um i probably uh, geared up a little bit my benzos uh, maybe i Again, took eight. I don't remember anymore. Uh, just to have no side effects from getting off the alcohol. So I managed to do that by myself. Um, I had a first appointment with the psychiatrist of the um, of the clinic where I went to, which is in Ghent. Uh, and he said, maybe you can get off uh, in, in the meantime, before you, you come to the clinic uh, in, in one month, maybe you can get off the antipsychotic and uh, which I did and also the baclofen. So I, I, I stopped that all by myself. And then I came the first day in the, checking into rehab, 29th of September, 2022. I came to the hospital uh, on a dose of four and a half milligrams um, clonazepam. So I had also diminished that, which is now quite remarkable, I think, um, because I did it by myself. So I, I checked in taking four and a half milligrams uh, clonazepam and 150 milligram of uh, antidepressants, uh, Welbutrin. Okay, okay. So before uh, yeah. we go into this journey where you go into the detox, I do have mm -hmm. a few questions because you read Blood Orange Night. Yes. I'm not really sure what you can remember. Obviously, you mm -hmm. were on so many drugs and stuff. Yeah. But did you maybe not at one point think like, hey, I need to check out the Ashton Manual or something? No. Did you like do any research or was your kind of conclusion like, okay, benzos are bad, I need to come off? Yes, uh, I, I was I was not educated at all. And maybe maybe it sounds strange, Naftal, um, but in a way, I'm glad that I didn't uh, know before about the Ashton Manual or... Um, glad is, I know, I, I realize it's a, it's a wrong word, but if I would have known it, maybe I wouldn't have start, started the journey I'm still going through uh, at the moment. Right, right. So I, no, I, I had no education at all. I just, I just remember uh, Melissa writing about all the awful things she was going through, but also the, the hope, the hope that she, she gave me mm -hmm. and that I had to do something. I didn't care about if I had to um, taper or I, I, I didn't know even the word tapering at that time. So I just yeah. know I had knew I had to do something. Yeah. Okay. So you go to this detox and yeah. you reduce your clonazepam. You yeah. have gotten off a few things like the baclofen. So mm -hmm. describe to us how that was your detox. Uh, you mean in the, in, in, in the clinic and the rehab? Yeah. 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 Oh, it was, um, it was the hardest thing. Um, well, no, it still is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, so they, they, I, I came in in the clinic and I, um, I trusted, I trusted the whole medical staff. So um, I, I was put like they do in Belgium together with um, all, well, other addictions like uh, mainly alcohol. There were, I think there. there when I checked in, there were two other people there who were also there for combined alcohol or and benzos or or separate. Uh, so there were three of us. Um, so in three 
they said, okay, we're going to give you a substitute. So they put me on like 40 milligrams of Valium mm -hmm. uh, the first day. And they said, oh, the next day, 30. That day, the day after that, 20, then 10, and then zero. So that's what they did. Like in, in three or four days' time, um, I, I was I was put on cold, cold turkey, and I was I was at that time I I already did a little bit or had done a little bit research, and I read everywhere I read about tapering and taking a long time, and I said, how is it possible they're doing this to me here, like in cold turkey in in four days, and I was convinced because the the psychiatrist is really a, a renowned doctor in Belgium, I was convinced he was doing this because he was following the most uh, accurate medical prescriptions of that moment and scientific uh, insights <laughs> right <laughs> but well, what were your symptoms like so you get basically yeah. it basically is a cold turkey event you know yes. so yeah okay what were your symptoms um mm -hmm. my symptoms the f well the first three nights uh i i remember the the heart palpitations i remember being up all the time i remember going to the night um how do you say um the night nurse maybe maybe that's a good word um i, I was going downstairs in in rehab and saying i i'm in panic help me give me something and they said yeah but that's normal that's normal and they sent me back to bed and then i had to do, i i couldn't leave uh so so <laughs> I started listening. Maybe it's it's stupid, but it, it saved me. Um, I started listening to to Indian in Indian uh, music, not not Native American, but from India. So um, quiet raga music, um, instrumental music, and I listened to it the whole night because obviously I couldn't sleep and sweating. Um, I had hallucinations. The mo they are so crazy. Naftal that I even until this day I. I don't dare speaking about what I saw in those hallucinations. They were so crazy, uh, so fucked up. Sorry about the word, but no, you can swear here. Yeah. And um, okay. did, did, did they give you anything for the heart palpitations? Did they give you anything no. at all? You were well, just triggered of everything. No, what they did, they said we're going to measure your blood pressure um, every three hours. Which okay, the first night they did, but the second night I had to go to the medical uh office myself and asking for uh can you measure my blood pressure and that was it was like uh 19 1910 um at one moment even 20 uh 2011 20 over 11 they say here in, in belgium that was quite high but they say okay it will it will diminish uh, just uh just keep calm and they they didn't give me even something for my blood pressure um it runs in my family, high blood pressure. Um, and at that moment, I was sure I was going to die. Uh, well, you could have. <laughs> you could have. Yes, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so okay, you're, you get tapered in four days, which is basically mm -hmm. a cold turkey event. How mm -hmm. long is your total stay there? I, I was there for 10 weeks, Naftal. I was ten, there for 10 weeks. And um, I noticed immediately, so we were together with, with alcohol addicts, which in my case was also, uh, there was also something to tell about alcohol addiction, but I, I had stopped it like a few weeks before that. So um, I, I noticed that I wasn't picking up uh, intellectually as fast as as my my as the other people who were there. Um, who were there only for alcohol? Um, I, I, because I I couldn't I barely couldn't could speak almost and we we had like eight hours of therapy a day. It was like I had to pick up and, and yeah I had to pick up um, intellectually and I couldn't. I I felt there was there's something wrong. Um, but then they said, okay, it's normal. It it will take time uh, because normally. Uh, someone who checks in in rehab, it's like for three or four weeks, but they said to me, it's going to take a little bit longer. So they were, uh, they said, because of the med medication, your brain will take some more time. And they said, okay, maybe you'll need six weeks or seven weeks or maybe eight weeks. And then eventually it was 10 weeks. And uh, okay, I was, I'm, I'm still very glad um, that I did that. And I'm proud I, I did that. But now I also know that they didn't use the uh, 
the um, scientific insights or whatever. They just did something, I think. Uh, I'm and, pretty sure yeah. that they just did something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. um, when was that? When did you get released from your detox? December 8, uh, 2022. So that was, uh, it's going to be a year now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. now I'm super curious. So you get out of the detox. Mm -hmm. What do you have any symptoms after that? Or do you oh. recover? What happens? Oh, oh. Um, there's so many things, so many things. Um, of course I had symptoms there. Some symptoms are, are, are so private that I still don't talk about them. Uh, that's fine. That's uh, fine. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, other symptoms, well, like three days after, uh, that was still in rehab. I mean, three days after they put me, no, one day after they put me totally cold turkey, I started having this um, tinnitus. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, tinnitus, but just not a little bit. It's like, uh, and I still have it. Uh, it's diminishing, but I still have that moment. It's like, like being on the... Um, on the in Belgium they call it tarmac of the of, of the airport but, but I compare it to that to when the plane is taking off and the the jet engines are going off it's a little bit comparable to that what I uh, sometimes have in my ears there's all it's it's always there the the high sounds you have it too right Naftal so yeah that's why I, I don't have to explain you basically because I can yeah. see the tinnitus and then they gave me benzos to you know, it's, um, it's, it's terrible, but anyways, how are you functioning after you get home from this cold Turkey event? Yeah. Well, the most, the most useful thing I, I learned in the hall in rehab, those 10 weeks was to, um, to distract myself, um, from all my, my, um, side effects. It, because it wasn't only the tinnitus it was the stomach issues which i still have to to this day it was the uncontrollable uh, spasms in my in some in my muscles it was um aches in in, in my in my knees uh, which are i can't explain they did every possible scans of my knees they can't find anything but uh, till this day i can't i can't run anymore like i said i, I used to run 90 kilometers uh, a week now I, I can't i can i can walk brisk and 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 well but i can't run anymore so there are so many things that i cannot do anymore for the moment or or uh, these headaches um the first the first weeks I had I was driving, which is now insane. Uh, but I was driving my car, and I was driving in the city where I have been living my whole life. And I, I was suddenly in the street, and I said, "Where, where the hell am I?" Or I was in a supermarket, and I couldn't remember anything anymore, except for who I was, and and started sweating. So. Um, I drove through, through red lights because I didn't see them. So there must have been many things wrong with my brain uh, due to the shock. So answering your question, um, the most important thing I learned in rehab was, was distracting myself. So what did I do? I started listening podcasts. I started um, educating myself more, going to, to, to me, it was Reddit, um, the subreddit uh, Benzo Recovery. And I started reading stories First, of, first, it was the, the absolute horror stories, which made me even worse. And I started neglecting or not, I started not reading those horror stories, not because they are not valuable, but to me, they didn't help. Um, and I started searching stories of hope. And I started meeting online through reading their stories, people who were even worse off than me. Um, and who had eventually after years regained their lives mm -hmm. lives um so i yeah starting edu educating myself i started baking bread i started i i took a dog <laughs> uh taking care of the dog uh music of course my daughter i have a daughter she's now 12 that's a purpose to live for i'm there's my wife um i have the incredible luck to be well surrounded my my wife has always been through all those years she has been she has been on my side. Um, so, I, yeah. Okay, so I'm in this blessed, process, yeah. after you come off, um, you start educating yourself about benzodiazepines. Mm -hmm. And what did you learn 
after you got off that maybe you would have preferred to know before? Uh, well, um, first of all, that it is my, my the psychiatrist uh, that I went to uh, 2007 and then all those those years after that, he always said to me in in, in Belgium we have a, a we had a, we have a famous candy. The name is maybe it's internationally known. I don't know. It's called Frutella. Yeah. And he's yeah. Well, he said, "Taste. Don't worry. Those those benzos, those pills, they are not. Uh, they're like Frutellas. They they." don't be afraid to get addicted to that they're not addictive they're just like it's like candy and what you are taking it's like a portion for children so <laughs> yeah sure yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, those eight milligrams that, that you could well, like, I, sedate a horse with that but okay um, well your reaction um naftal uh and and reading other testimonies on on the internet I have not until this day. I have not seen many testimonies about eight milligrams a day. So, what would I have liked to have known? Well, I would have liked to have known how how dangerous they were, and um, of course, managing all those side effects. Maybe I haven't gone enough into it, but um, yeah, managing that. It has. I say it's. It, ha it has been the hardest thing in my life, and it still is. It still is. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I would have liked to, would have liked to know that, but yeah, it is like it is. So it is what right. it is. Right. So one of the things you have done some advocacy in Belgium, and that's how I found you. What made you want to raise some awareness about benzodiazepines? Because it has been so awful uh, getting of those of those um, benzos. To be clear, um, I, I I regained lots of things. I first of all, I regained my capacity to think, to write. Um, I've have found a job. Um, I have regained my capacity to connect to other people, um, to to go to movies, to theater. Um, so I've regained many things uh, to feel again. I wouldn't ever want to go back to my time when I was taking them in, in such a high dose um but the journey getting off cold turkey has been so awful has been so ridiculous and absurd that it to me it, i have to do something with it and the only thing i can think of or, or using the little of talent i have is maybe writing uh some testimonies about it or some letters to newspapers and making other people aware about the dangers and also making doctors aware about what are what they are doing prescribing people to to such a high dose because belgium has the uh next to uruguay i think and serbia serbia um we have the highest intake of of benzos worldwide so i, mm -hmm. I want to help uh people getting off and even if i can give hope to one one person, then I know I've I've done something worthwhile. Yeah, and I think that's super important, and that's why I love everyone on the show who is an advocate in their own way. Like I'm trying to do some advocacy over here sure. or internationally, yeah. so I I'm very grateful for that. So mm -hmm. I do wonder though, like with the gift of hindsight, always. So you know, you suffered from some some anxiety, and you know, you self medicated yourself with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Like if you would go back in time, what would you do differently? How would you seek help or treatment for your anxiety and everything? Um, very good question. I'm, I will try to answer short, short in a short way, uh, Naftal. Uh, first of all, um, I would I would uh, take more uh, take more time to uh, mourn. To mourn about uh, my father's passing away, sudden passing away. Um, I didn't tell you before, but my, I also lost my mother when I was 16. Uh, that didn't help for the anxiety. Anxiety also. She she died of of bone cancer. Um, so I, I would take more time just to 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 mourn and and to to realize who were my parents. Um, just yeah, just take more time. Uh, first of all, and second, I would uh, take more time to 
to get into what is anxiety um why am i uh, am i anxious what is it is it is it something biological is it something we inherit can you um are there other ways to deal with anxiety of course i'm still anxious many times a day but i just deal with them in another way i i listen to podcasts i when i i still have every morning um where i have like 10 years long i i was still i was sedated in in the morning because of the benzos now i have this thing it's like morning dread um so every day when i wake up i think oh my god how am i gonna start this day how i'm gonna how am i gonna live through this day um so i just i just pick up the beat and i take the dog even when it's raining and i go outside and i meet someone on the street and i start talking and then gradually my my anxiety goes away mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i wish i wish i had known more 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 ways to cope with anxiety and for me um the key is interaction with other people um and benzos do just the opposite taking all those benzos i was like a an island i was so isolated i wasn't able to connect to anyone uh, because starting a sentence i i didn't even know Mm -hmm. sometimes how to finish a sentence maybe i still don't but it's getting a little bit better Uh, (laughs) so yeah um i wish i I hadn't known that before but like i like i said before in a way i'm i'm glad i didn't know what i was up to when i they put me on cold turkey turkey um a year ago maybe I, i wouldn't have started my journey and to be frank um I, I read many testimonies of people who who do even tapering and slow tapering and even reading Melissa's testimony, her book, well, she went to a hell of an ordeal. I mean, she, she even tapering. So I sometimes I think, does it make a difference? Going it depends off on cold- the person. It depends on the person. Um, cold turkey is not advised for anyone. No. Um, some some people would not survive. I would have not survived. I would have yeah, physically sure. died. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't it would not have ended well for me. Um, yeah. But I I do get where you're coming from because you got off. Maybe it was horrible, but you survived. And maybe we will never know. Maybe your healing journey will take longer. We just don't know this. Um, but I do get where you're coming from, where, where you're like, okay, um, I got off um, and I didn't have years of tapering and suffering. So it's just so individual for everyone. So I do get where you're coming from. But, you know, normally cold turkey would never be advised in our yeah. community. So sure. I do wonder, though, I do yeah. wonder, though, like um, you said and you shared with us that, you know, mm-hmm. you went to this clinic and mm-hmm. you trusted all these doctors mm-hmm. to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um what would you specifically for people in Belgium who apparently are massively on benzos? Mm-hmm. If um, what would you recommend them? Would you let them go to detox as well, or would you say, "Look, get informed first, and you know, decide then"? Or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I, I would <sighs> talking someone into rehab. I'm not sure if I would do that because I know how cruel and how brutal it is uh and I, there, like i said there were people who checked in at the same time as i did and i don't want to i don't want to uh be a hero or pretend that i'm uh the rambo of the of detox um i just did it but most no all of my uh, all of the people who checked in together with me and who were there for for benzos they they left in in a week or two weeks because it was it was absolute horror and they were getting the same cold turkey treatment as I did so they just left they were in in sheer panic Um, so what would I I think what we are lacking in Belgium is um, is general insight uh, in the medical community about um, about what the side effects of benzodiazepines are Um, well, that's an international thing. <laughs> that's well, an international yeah, thing. sure, sure. Yeah, but <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think there is more awareness maybe in 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 the Netherlands for sure, in the United Kingdom and in the states. There's more awareness about the long term side effects and what what benzodiazepines cause. I, in Belgium, I think it's it's less. 
Um, so I, I'm I would. Sure. I'm always like interested, like what uh, which country is doing what and how aware they actually are. Mm -hmm. um, I would argue, and I've said this throughout the podcast, is mm -hmm. that the the U.S. is now further um, mm -hmm. because they have the black box warning, and we don't. Mm -hmm. um, so even in our um, insert pamphlets, I'm not really sure how it is in Belgium, but my insert pamphlet does not say you could die. It could take mm -hmm. years to taper. It just says gradual. It doesn't say you can get physically dependent within days. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it, um, you know, it's just, you know, it depends per country. I know in the UK that there may be some awareness, but mm -hmm. for example, if you're on Ativan, which is lorazepam, um, they will not taper you directly of that. You will just get diazepam or Valium. It's just, it's kind of dire throughout the world. That's why we need all of this advocacy because this is an international problem. And yeah. I totally agree with you that we have to educate our doctors and prescribers. Yeah. So yeah. totally agree with you there. And and Naftal, there, there's also quite some, I don't know what your experience is, but there's quite some resistance even. Uh, I wrote a big article for a leading newspaper in, in Belgium. I had, I, I, they gave me the whole backside uh, of, of, of the of the last page of, of the newspaper. And the next day there was a, there, so writing um, essentially what I told you, a little bit more scientific maybe. Uh, and the next day there was a, a letter from a doctor which was published published by the newspaper, and he said, "Okay, I've I've been taking benzos my whole life, uh, and see, I'm a doctor." <laughs> so, <laughs> and he was fine, quote unquote. He was fine. Yeah, right, he said. He said, right. "Yeah, I, I, I he, he, he was test uh, testifying that he had anxiety his whole life from being a mm. university student, and he he went through his his studies, and he became a doctor. So, yeah, who am I?" Uh, you are someone, you are someone with lived yeah. experience. So here's the thing. So um, um, I've seen as prescribed and, um, you know, I just uh, did an interview with Holly about her movie or documentary. Um, and she, there's uh, people in uh, Massachusetts trying to get a benzo bill passed. So law to like mm -hmm. inform people. Here's the thing. So um, in my opinion, okay, I'm just going to stick with my opinion. Yes, there mm -hmm. are people that seem to be, they seem, mm -hmm. emphasis on seem to be fine on benzos, but we mm -hmm. cannot deny that there is a very group, a big group of people mm -hmm. that has a horrendous taper and they have horrendous side effects and even mm -hmm. die. So mm -hmm. We cannot deny that. That's all that, that I want to say is that there is a group of, and we deserve to know, mm -hmm. you know, upfront that this could be in the cards for us, like a horrible mm -hmm. taper, adverse effects. Mm -hmm. um, so for someone to, to say, and I'm not really sure what that this doctor that you mentioned said in the mm -hmm. article, you know, maybe it's like, oh, benzos are great. And, you know, I've been using them forever, mm -hmm. but benzos are not you know they're not great they don't fix the problem you know mm -hmm. they um so I, I i really really disagree and i think it's dangerous for doctors mm -hmm. to be saying like hey these drugs are perfectly safe they're not mm -hmm. even if there's one percent that gets really deathly ill or die we mm -hmm. should know about that so they mm -hmm. are not safe period mm -hmm. period yeah but, you know i'm very biased because you know what happened to me and what happened to all these people all the testimonials that i've mm -hmm. seen read heard everything so um mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not the case. Um, yeah, yeah we're going to have people that mm. will argue, oh, these things are great and they're helpful. And, mm. and I think, you yeah. know, it's just the thing that, you know, we don't get informed about this. Like mm -hmm. if there's, there's a risk when you take these drugs, you know, mm. um, and they're not meant for long-term, but you know, yeah. we can have an analysis yeah. about that, but we will yeah. get back, you, we, we will get backlash for this for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's one more thing. If, if, if you grant me the time, uh, Naftal, sure. um, I would like to say uh, to 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 me the the hardest thing, and I think I'm talking for many people uh, who are getting off or or are off uh, benzos, is the long time um, side effects. Like, uh, like at this moment, so I'm I'm a year off and I'm pretty well. Like I said, I I, I found a good job. Uh, we moved to a new new place. The family is still together, but at this time, sometimes I can get so desperate or uh because because the side effects seem to reinvent themselves once in in a few weeks like i i hadn't i haven't had it really before but at this time it's because of stress i don't know but at this time i have this before i go to bed it's like they're putting um needles in in in, in my in my legs and in in my arms and it starts itching and i have this this i'm i scratching i'm scratching my skin in the evening before i i get to 
to right Ty, do you, do you yeah. know what bind is do you know what yeah, bind i've is? read an article about, about okay, it yeah. I, I think it's safe to say in my opinion that you have bind sure but but i yeah but what what can i do about it except except telling myself the mantra all things must pass so that's that's what i do i try to live with them but it's it's I, that, that's what I want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to have make the story come out as if, as if I have, um, survived or regained everything because it's not true. I'm still de dealing like, like you say, or probably with, with, with bind. bind. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, you have bind definitely, which, you know, would be expected if you're like, you, you come from massive amounts of benzodiazepines, how it is even allowed for someone to get prescribed eight milligrams of milligrams of clonazepam um that is just wild to me that should be outlawed for sure and you're you were polydrugged mm -hmm. so right. um yeah. i think you should be very grateful that you're still alive first of all mm -hmm. and i think what is uh great about your personality is that at least even though you went through this horrible time you seem to be very enthusiastic and hopeful sure. about the future sure yes yes i am i am i'm, I'm uh, determined to um as hard as some days are, I'm determined to stay alive. And of course, first of all, for my daughter, uh, for my wife, but also for for myself, because um, because I still have something to do. I mean, like I said, my 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 biggest uh, my goal in life was to be a reporter, and I thought it was going to be about uh, that. It was going to report about. Um, traveling through the us or, or or a lady on a on a reservation but maybe it's going to be about something different maybe it's going to be about my own journey with um, benzodiazepines and and helping other people and of course at the most um i listened yesterday to your podcast um with melissa melissa bond and uh i'm not really into crying but um i can safely say um hearing her voice and she's uh she's like a little bit the person who who saved me because um if i wouldn't have read her book maybe i wouldn't have been talking to you so um yeah All right yeah well she saved me too and you know check out yeah. her episode on geraldine's podcast it's re really good as well so i would recommend that one to you and i think that's what i kind of you know that's that's the origin of why i started benzo tired if there's just one person that i can educate mm -hmm. um because i felt like no one understood, I was, I was gaslighted the whole time. I was like, I'm so deathly ill and I'm having seizures and I can't walk and I can't talk. And psychiatry is telling me that, you know, you're taking an awful long time to taper these benzodiazepines. Oh no, none of this should be happening. This is impossible. And you just need to, I just wanted to find someone who had a similar experience. And I was I you know, psychiatry is dangerous to me you know personally to me so this is in belgium now um this is in my country i can mm -hmm. i i walk through the whole journey of psychiatry and i'm mm -hmm. telling you for me that those people are dangerous mm -hmm. <laughs> if mm -hmm. i would have listened to all of those quote unquote expert i i, I would have mm -hmm. been dead mm -hmm. so we need to do this we need to spread awareness we need to share our stories and you know what maybe someday someone will listen to this particular episode and be like hey i have a lot mm -hmm. of similarities with tice mm -hmm. you know so they connect with your story and that's how we save people so that's mm -hmm. why we need to keep on doing this so thank you so much tice for your time sure that no no problem uh, are, are you angry sometimes naftal one angry. question yeah angry angry at people who described you or the or the the medical business whatever oh, fuck or, yes. yeah fuck yes i have every yeah. right to be angry of course i'm angry and i think you know it's kind of a psychological process like when does being angry serve you and when doesn't it serve you but definitely my anger really served me because one of the <laughs> pillars of making ben so tired was my me being angry at the system, like, what the fuck? You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like surreal. You don't mm -hmm. expect that a pill mm -hmm. prescribed by a doctor would mm -hmm. harm you so much. And mm -hmm. that, that, I mean, all of these words weren't in my vocabulary, tapering, bind, you know, mm -hmm. you just mm -hmm. don't really think that it's possible. It's just angry that this is still happening, angry mm -hmm. that they've known since the I don't know, mid 50s, 60s, something has got to change and mm -hmm. things are just going too slow. But anger is serving me in the sense that uh, it fuels one of the fuels is for to make Benzo tired, you know, being pissed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Sure. And, and as I'm, long as we've got yeah. doctors saying that these things are perfectly safe, blah, 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 we still have work to do, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that people that people find their way 
to your uh, podcast. I'm, I'm sure because someone who's looking for help will will eventually find your podcast and they will they, they will find help. Uh, so it's all it's it's very very valuable what you're doing, Naftal. So that's okay. why I also thank you too for I, 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 the word in your country in sure, our common language, Dutch. So I'm, I'm very <laughs> very grateful that you're doing it in Dutch. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll um, be in touch with you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the episode. Be well, be safe. Remember, it's not a race. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support, go to paypal.me slash